0: Hey guys, I don't know if you know this, but I love biohacking, I love testing out new foods, new supplements to feel my best, look my best, perform my best. That's why I'm so excited that we partnered up with Neurohacker, they're sponsoring today's podcast. So this is something new, Senolytics. These are cutting edge ingredients that are making waves in the world of healthy aging. If you're looking to optimize your energy, feel your best no matter what your age you definitely have to start researching this. This is why I'm super excited to be talking about qualia senolytic. See, as we get older, these things called senescent cells build up. They're basically old, worn-out cells that hang around and mess things up. They cause aches, slow recovery, a general blah feeling. Think of them as zombie cells. Qualia senolytic gives your body a kickstart to clear those out. Think of it like a deep cleaning for your body on the cellular level, making way for your good cells to thrive. Honestly, before I tried this, I was a bit skeptical. But guys, the difference blew me away. Within a few months, energy levels are through the roof. I felt sharper. My workouts felt better. This middle-aged sluggishness, it's gone. And you can take qualit. this middle-aged sluggishness, mostly gone. So if you're ready to fight those aging effects at the source, head over to neurohacker.com slash Successpod. That's neurohacker.com/successpod for up to one hundred dollars off, and use the code Successpod for an extra fifteen percent off your order. And just a quick disclaimer: these statements have not been evaluated by the Food or Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And this review represents my personal experience and opinions, and is not a guarantee, promise, or reflection of anyone else's results. I was given free product in exchange. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network as well as the HubSpot Podcast Network. Now, the HubSpot Podcast Network has other incredible podcasts like the Salesman Podcast, hosted by Will Barron. Now, if you work in sales or you want to learn how to sell or peek at the latest in sales news, check out the Salesman Podcast where host Will Barron helps sales professionals learn how to find buyers and win big business in effective and ethical ways. Now, if some of these topics resonate with you, you're going to love the Salesman Podcast. The psychology of the perfect cold call, uh, successful cold email trends for 2022, the four-step process to influencing buying decisions, or... The Digital Sales Room, The Future of B2B Sales. If these topics hit home, you're going to love The Salesman Podcast. Listen to The Salesman Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Today, my guest is Gigi Robinson. She's a full-time content creator, meaning that she gets paid to create content. Now, how did she start? Well, she's a very unique and important voice. She puts out content that speaks to some of the problems and some of the issues and some of the adversity that she's had in her life. She shares a perspective on body image and chronic illness through all her social media platforms she also has served as an executive board member and founding member of usc reach this is the first and only social media club at usc that aims to create a community for influencers uh, digital marketers and anybody interested in social media Uh, the actual passion that got her started was her photography so she has had her artwork displayed in galleries museums all over the world including the metropolitan museum of art the Tweed Courthouse and many others. She's also been named as a brand ambassador and evangelist for a wide variety of brands such as Abercrombie and Fitch, Boohoo, Beor Skincare, EF College Breaks, Higher Education Skincare, Kendra Scott, Smashbox, Tinder, and TikTok. She has done this all before she even graduated from her master's program. So we're going to speak about what drove her in the beginning, why she wanted to create content, how she found content that worked with an audience, how she was able to build an audience, how she was able to build a community from scratch, and how she was able to monetize it so she could quit her full-time job very quickly. Um, Let's talk about the fact that she did this all while she's still in grad school. Um, She turned her content creation into a full-time thing she speaks about how to land partnerships how to land deals how to monetize your social media following she acts as her own agency meaning that she represents herself so she speaks about how to navigate The contracts with different brands, the red flags to look out for, how to protect yourself, how to offer the most value. But most importantly, you have to get paid what you're worth. So if anybody is ever thinking about starting a personal brand, this is somebody you should emulate. Also, her content creation style, the type of things she puts out, the process that she uses to get content out there, it's all... Tied back to the things that are relevant in her life and she speaks through her content creation process and then lastly why it's so important to be an advocate and to speak to things that you know a lot about even if they're difficult things because you are creating a community and you're helping people that are also suffering from the same problems and that's what she's done so exceptionally well. So let's jump right into it. This is Gigi Robinson full time content creator brand evangelist and social media personality.
1: Well, hi. Thanks for having me. So nice to be here. I love the setup you have going on. Uh, The catalyst for starting where I'm at, I think just being a New York native has really shaped a lot about me, and I think people give New Yorkers a lot of shit, and they say we're cold-minded and or cold-hearted and strong-minded, and that's something that a lot of the time I think can... uh, represent us in a in a negative light, but I think a lot of that attitude is this, like, fearless interest in doing whatever it takes to, like, make it here. Um, I'm not going to sing the Frank Sinatra song because, like, I just am not gonna, but, you know, um, I was born and raised here, so I think I did always grow up kind of riding these, just metaphorically and literally, riding these skyscrapers, you know, all the way up and then having to come down and in that i'm talking about also like the emotions of like living in the city dealing with friendship drama dealing with academic drama and i think that that is what really has set me up for success as i kind of grow into a working professional
0: which is actually that's actually mind-blowing that you're still like we were talking before like you're finishing off grad school right now and you're gonna figure out where you're gonna land but you've already, so, so walk me through, like, I say, like, career, knowing that the career has started at a very young age, right? Like, it's not like you have 50 years of experience doing something. So as you're, okay, so you're normal, normal, like, air quotes kid, Mm -hmm. um, like, going through high school, um, then you go into college, when did you start building, creating, like, even working, because even in high school, like I I wasn't doing anything like what you were doing. So, (laughs) Walk me through, like, when you started, like, where where this this passion for content creation, building your personal brand, you have an awesome site up, you've been, like, featured in publications, like, you teach over, you create content, like, like honestly, I'm a content creating, um, like, fiend, and I, like, respect the hustle, because you're creating content, like, probably that competes with how much that I put out, so, um, where did this all come from?
1: Yeah, where does it all come from? I mean, I have always been a creative person first and foremost, and I did go to the LaGuardia High School of Music Art and Performing Arts here in New York City, which is a very famous art school. Um, If you've ever seen the movie Fame or the musical, it is based off of my high school, which was obviously really cool going there. I mean, looking back, I'm like, holy crap, I can't believe that was like my life, but like, okay, like it was really kind of wild because they put you through everything that normal high schools put you through, which is like, you know... I don't know like what normal times for high school are, like 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. We had like an extra three classes a day that were dedicated to the arts. So a lot of times our gym time or our elective time was taken away so that we could do more art. And I think that that was something that really pushed me in this direction of being passionate about the arts and being able to find a voice for myself. So by, you know, 60, 15, 16, I was enrolling in classes at the International Center for photography like his after-school program um, I was able to get scholarships to them which was obviously really really helpful to me financially because I didn't have to pay for it and on top of that I also did theater and I was in like my friend's acapella group so there were definitely a lot of things going on I was being like a little renaissance woman in high school and I on top of that was entering my photography into these global competitions state competitions regional national like whatever kind of competition it was i was like i want my photos to be there like it's gonna happen um and it was almost this like calling this certainty that i had that i knew that doing that would be kind of like the first, uh, I used this metaphor the other day, which was really silly, but it's kind of like that first lily pad for me on my career journey. Like I think of our like- It's a
0: great analogy. It's right? a great metaphor.
1: <laughs> it's like we're in a pond and- yeah. You're, like, a kid, like, 18 years old or 15, 16, whenever you start working, and the first, like, there, you know, there's a bunch of lily pads. By the end, you're at your retirement um, on the other side of the pond. So, that's my new metaphor that I kind of, like, like to talk about, but... That was really this stepping stone that also helped me realize, like, one, I'm really fucking good at this and other people, like adults, people who are patrons of the arts, uh, you know, world renowned like galleries, like my work's been in the Met multiple times and I say that very humbly, but with that, I was like, that was what I needed to get me um, inspired enough to continue creating art, not just to win competitions, but also to you know, be purposeful and inspire people. So after I kind of did my bout of competitions, I started shooting portraits. And the main objective was to make people feel beautiful and confident, regardless of if they looked like they were, you know, a fitting model or stereotypically like fit into the modeling world because I really cared about making people feel confident that was all so I made a project called I feel like a supermodel which is what I then used as my project to transfer into USC with and uh, I guess like the rest is history I just kind of let that ebb and flow and when I got to USC obviously I was in Los Angeles so The whole idea of being like a skinny, hot, tan model with blonde hair was like, you know, of utmost importance a lot of the time, and I feel like at some points I did lose a little bit of sight around how can I make people feel confident when I myself don't feel confident and playing this comparison game. Um, But unfortunately, simultaneously, I was dealing with a lot of chronic health issues at the time. And the only way that I could articulate my experience was by making art. So that's how I really transitioned from, I think, that confidence building artwork to this purpose-driven image making and storytelling, and now I kind of do a combination of the both. So I hope that answered the question.
0: It definitely does, and I think it's. And I wanna, I wanna unpack um, that that one point that you made about. So it's hard to teach over and to help people deal with their own insecurities when you have these insecurities yourself. But obviously, to some extent, I'm not saying that it's 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 perfect. But to some extent, you've managed and you've overcome that because when you put out content when you put out you have to be comfortable with what you're doing and if you aren't comfortable you'll never do it you'll never you'll never press post and you'll always have this this hesitation so how did you overcome that because i'm assuming the the journey to overcome that and to and to understand um that like who you are is good enough and 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 then some that's probably what uh, allowed you to be able to operate at the level that you're at right now
1: yeah I think confidence is very subjective and individual. It's a journey that everyone has to come to terms uh, with in themselves and I think honestly the I've I've always been somebody who didn't fully care about what other people's opinions of me were. Um, That really was until I was in Los Angeles and like I joined a sorority and it was just like this game of materialism and like capitalism and mean 21 year olds and i was like what the heck am i in like what what, i need to get out of here and um although the sorority was good for like networking it definitely was damaging in terms of like physical and psychological problems that i think greek life cultures can sometimes uh really you know enhance or exacerbate in a lot of ways so It was partly living in Los Angeles but then again like when I did those deep internal I think readings on myself and was like okay why do you feel this way like why are you insecure because somebody else is trying to make you feel mad like or bad about yourself right like their opinion or what they're trying to projecting is not a reflection of who you are so it's irrelevant and I think that it definitely took a lot of tough skin or thick skin to realize that and like set that mental boundary up but also again I'm from New York City we get we go through a lot we have a lot coming at us all the time people trying to beat us down especially when we're successful or we're doing things that make them jealous or envious and again also at the time to start posting and to like be kind of an influencer that people on campus knew about was something that I think in 2017, 2018, 2019 people thought was like intimidating or you know they were jealous of or they wanted to be like an influencer. I was definitely I would say like an early adopter of TikTok. I got on TikTok in uh early 2019 and that's how I kind of started and I call that early because people didn't get on it until late 2020, really. So I think that, you know... At the time, it was like I was hosting all these pop-ups on campus, like, oh, come to TikTok Trivia. Come, you know, here's some free TikTok swag. And these people would look at me and be like, oh, that's so cringe. And then as soon as the pandemic started and as soon as people started seeing, like, my account grow, they started seeing, you know, TikTok explode. It was all of a sudden, oh, my God, Gigi, I saw this job at TikTok. Can you please help me out? Like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so superficial. But now I'm in a position of power where or I don't want to say a position of power, a position where I felt empowered is what I'll say because other people were coming to me saying, wow, sorry, I misjudged you. Let me see what I can get out of you. And I had the decision to either help them or tell them, you know, (laughs) sorry, I can't help you, but here's what I can do or here's a resource you eh? can look at. So Mm -hmm. that was something that I dealt with in terms of confidence. And then again, the pandemic really only accelerated my growth. Like when I think about, who I was two years ago, like who came home from Los Angeles on a plane with three masks and gloves on, like like three suitcases, because I didn't know if I was going back to LA. Like that person is so different than the person that you're talking to today. And I think that that's also really important because obviously growth is, you know, really important as individuals. But what helped me be more confident was understanding my boundaries, my place in my work and what makes me kind of tick on like a deep level, not on like the superficial level of like, know your why, like know your why, but know it like 10 layers deep.
0: How did you figure that out? Like how did you have this self-awareness when people, um, when people struggle with that their whole lives, like understanding your why, but going 10 layers deep is an, an exceptional thing to do and I think I think you're 100% on point that's what you have to do to be confident and to excel in anything but how did you figure that out and like what was the process that you went through to understand uh like your I don't even know what to call it like your super why or
1: yeah (laughs) whatever it would be called for sure I've talked about this a couple times but I did grow up in a Tony Robbins household so a lot of mindset and you know motivation was always kind of of utmost importance like do things that kind of like make you a better person wherever you can. And also making sure that in that journey that you're okay with iterations and you're okay with finessing with or adjusting that true why or like your purpose in life as you go through different things in life, like it's just going to change. So back to even when I'm 16 years old or I was 16, my true purpose at the time was just to take pretty photographs and to make people feel good about themselves in a way, that is still what it is now. But it's now about communicating and having these conversations that people can actually apply to their life so that they can become better advocates for themselves, whether that's in, you know, a patient setting, whether that's in an academic setting, whether that's in a confidence building setting, whether that's online. I mean, there's so many different things that I think I've found. And simply put, the way that you ask yourself or you find out your why is literally, at least my process, by asking yourself. So like, what is like, uh, you know, wh- what is your why or why is, why do you do what you do in life, right? So you answer it once and then you ask yourself, why do I think that that's important? Or why is that important to me? And then you write that out. And then whatever the answer to that is, you kind of keep going down in this like funnel until you get to like the true meaning, the true why. And um, I try to do this once every quarter or once every six months at least, because like I said, it changes and that's absolutely okay. And I think we need to change to evolve. I,
0: I agree. Um, just many people are not as self aware as, as you are. I think it's exceptional. And that, <laughs> and, and help me understand like when you started, so your your transition into like, the content creation it wasn't purposeful it was it was understanding the things that you were passionate about and then you started to create content about that and then you started to refine and i want to so what i want to understand is sort of like when did the hobby become something that you doubled down on when and and what drove that decision
1: yeah i really love this question because it's actually been something i've been thinking about a lot um Before I answer the more inspirational piece or the more, I guess, uh, the, the roadmap of how it all happened, I'm kind of at this point where I've been doing it so successfully that I no longer have the bandwidth to really shoot for fun. And quite frankly, I don't like to shoot for fun because it's far more effort and energy Than hiring somebody else to do it for me. Or like I would rather have, you know, somebody book somebody else as their photographer. Unless it's like my friend who I'm doing a favor for. um, Than go out of my way to shoot content for other people. Like if they're paying me for it. Um, Versus like I now am in the place where I love art directing. And I want to hire a team and make it a production. And like I think again like that love for photography and art making, image making, storytelling, um, creating has evolved and that's okay. That's like the dream, I think. Like you want to go from a freelancer to like full-blown productions. Like that's a lot of the time the goal. So, um, I, I initially started doing photography for fun. I would shoot nighttime landscapes and that's really what started me out in the competition world. And in kind of refining, you know, at first it was showing how beautiful our earth was at night because I feel like it's often unseen. A lot of people don't really check out night work often. And um, I just wanted to be that person that showed the world that through my lens. Then it moved on to fostering, you know, confidence for people. And while I was doing all this, I was posting online, not necessarily with the intention to blow up or become like, an Instagram photographer but really just to have a portfolio that I could easily access and I guess you could say I was maybe forward thinking where I was like I could go into a job and say hey look look at this Instagram look at where my photo's up in a gallery in Athens or Portland or you know the Met and like have those kinds of people be like damn like I want to hire you like that's sick so um I did that you know in high school and then when I got to my or when I was thinking about college and where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do, I was looking at art programs that weren't really conservatory style. I wanted a program that was based in a city so that I could capitalize off of the resources around me. So it's not a coincidence Can you explain I chose that? a city sorry. like Los- sorry,
0: I just want you to explain that the conservatory, so I don't understand that what is oh, that what does that yeah. mean?
1: yeah um, an art conservatory, meaning like you're going for art, like that's your end all deal. Oh, like, okay, you, okay. you like all your classes are around art. Um, a lot of times, like musicians, dancers, singers, fine artists okay. will go to design school, art school, um, specifically that has like a very structured art regimen. Versus, like, I went to USC and I did get a BFA, but I also had game day and los angeles and you know general education and internships like all sprinkled in versus like conservatories there's not as much so um so yeah so when i was thinking about that again it was no coincidence i chose la like it was new york la or miami um and i knew i wanted to get the heck out of new york one because it's cold and i very much dislike the cold i prefer to be somewhere 75 degrees and sunny uh and to because I grew up here and I didn't want my experience to be on one plane. Sometimes I think that like if you spend your whole life in one place it can limit you from a lot of your growth so I went out to LA. I had no family there and that's just kind of how I ended up there and my goal there wasn't to like produce amazing amazing art. It was to network and to go intern at companies and meet people who had the connections in the industry that I wanted. So I thought that if I was in the entertainment world in LA, I would be able to utilize what I already had and showcase my artwork or my portraits online, which by proxy would get me in the spaces to potentially shoot clients that would end up on billboards or shoot social ads or shoot uh, movie posters, like those were my goals. And I joined this social media club called USC Reach, which I was a founding member of. And I honestly attribute a lot of my career decisions to uh, that being, I guess, like at the at the foundation of what I've built today. And I got in because I was like, I want to use my account to showcase my photography so that brands hire me to shoot ads for their big clients. And one day somebody called out sick for a video and I popped in and like the video popped off and I was like, oh sick, like I guess I could do this. So then I started working for brands and because I had all of this photography experience with posing, with portraits, self-portraiture, I would just set my tripod up, shoot self-portraits with my, you know, products and submit them to the brand and the thing that set my content apart for the most part was that all of my content was shot with my DSLR. It wasn't shot with iPhone. And I also have been recently thinking about this, not that it fully matters, because I think anybody can be a creator. But the same way I think about anyone being a creator, I think about the fact that anyone can be a photographer, or like that saying where if you have an iPhone, Mm -hmm. you can be a photographer. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean that you have this experience that's going to Put you aside or make you exceptional. Um, so I just I think about that a lot, and it's not a hundred percent necessary. It's more aesthetics for me, um, and in an upcharge because it's like higher production quality, more money, um, and yeah. So that's my my journey of how I fell into it.
0: And so it seems like like even like when you founded uh, USC. So that was like the first social media club at, uh, or USC reach, excuse me. So that was the first social media club at UFC. So that was yeah. like everything you're doing. Like you have this, So what I'm trying to unpack is like you have this path, like everything that you put out into the world, all the content mm-hmm. you put out, it's about your passion or it's about your journey and your reality. And yeah. that's the core that has created, that has, has been your content, that's sort of driven all your content. And that's actually what's allowed you to, Succeed both as a a a person like a personable individual that people can like relate to, and then also it can actually uh, it can actually help you grow your photography career as well. It's just the stuff Mm -hmm. that you're passionate about that you're just like the difference between you and somebody else that also had learnings in high school and college, and also as a photographer is that you were just putting it out again and again and again. Mm -hmm. No, I'm just thinking about why people don't do this. Why like. You always oh, felt easy. like you always felt okay putting stuff out there. And that's what, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like that's what's enabled your career. It's just consistency. And and,
1: and and the reason why people don't is because of the fear of judgment, the fear of failure, the fear of being rejected. Like it's very simple. People, especially in the world, I, like with, with, with all these studies now that are out showing that. Social media is something that people use for instant gratification. They use for validation. They use to make themselves feel good. They get dopamine from the amount of likes coming in, from a video going viral. Like, none of that matters to me. I care about the community. I care about the people I serve. And the difference between people being scared to post and to put themselves out there is one, they usually don't have a community they're serving or they are connected to. Maybe they feel kind of lost, alone, isolated. You
0: found yours. You found yeah. your community. You created I, it. You didn't have yeah. a group of photography aficionados that just followed you. That wasn't it.
1: Exactly. And I think you can find and make any community in today's day and age. I was five years ago when I started finding my community, right? Right. We're five years in the future now. I can't imagine where it's going to be five years from now. So I think you can really like create anything you want. You just have to be so confident in failing and knowing that when you fail, you're going to learn and you're going to like implement whatever that learning is to better yourself. And you're going to fail so many times. There's been ads that I've shot that I've like, like they've, completely just tanked like they didn't perform how they wanted how I wanted them to but you know what exists boosted ads brands pay a lot of money to put money behind your ads and with that it reaches more people and again by proxy your community gets stronger because they're like, not only like, oh, Gigi, let's say, uses this Rode mic. I know Gigi's a podcaster. I actually really love all of her podcasting. Maybe if I need an entry-level mic that's less than $200, I'm going to use the one that Gigi uses because I like her podcast, right? Very simple example where even if the ad organically performed not well, the brand could still promote it and it would make sense because I'm a podcaster. So I think also... A big part of people being scared to start on social media, they always say, Oh, well, I don't know how to make money. I'm not going to make any money. I don't have enough followers. You won't do that if you have the scarcity mindset that you're always going to be lacking, right? Like, a lot of my friends say this, Well, I, I don't know. I'm like a little bit scared about starting something. I'm like, Why are you scared? Time's ticking, honey. No, like, nobody <laughs> is your competition. You're your only competition, and I think if you have that mindset around social media instead of everybody else is doing it better, let's play the comparison game, then you will succeed.
0: I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, HubSpot. Now, pies, taking candy from babies, both things that are theoretically easy, but anyone who's made a pie from scratch or attempted to pry a lollipop from a screaming toddler knows these things are, in fact, very difficult. But you know what is easy? Integrating, automating, and scaling your business with HubSpot. Now, the HubSpot CRM platform seamlessly transfers customer data into usable insights. Like, what's the average time it takes us to respond to a customer service request? Or, how can we get better at it? The HubSpot Service Hub brings all your data and support channels in one place. So your team can spend less time hunting for information and more time delighting customers plus seamless connectivity with marketing and sales hubs means every person on your team has a crystal clear picture of your customer easy as hubspot learn how hubspot can make it easier for your business to grow at hubspot.com i love that um okay so talk to me so you uh, you quit your job and, and you started your own company. So yeah. walk me through that. Walk me through how scary that was or was it not scary? Was it um, Was it something that you did gradually all at once? Yeah. The risk, the yeah. reward, how it's gone. For sure. All
1: that. I'll start with the reward. I mean, incredible. Yeah. Like every <laughs> single day I'm exhilarated and excited and like electrified by what I get to do and the people that I get to talk to like yourself but I guess I'll take you back to the spring of 2020 which you can see my nice degree hanging up here right behind me but I essentially was flown back home right on March 18th 2020 I come back home. My brother is back home too from college. Uh, he went to Cornell and he was, you know, in his junior year, had just come back from his study abroad trip. And we hadn't lived together, you know, like in the same household really for three years other than like two week breaks in like summer. And even then I was like in LA for internships. He was in Ithaca. So it was like a, a big family adjustment to be home. And I think all everyone was dealing with this, like most people coming home from college were dealing with, okay, I have to live in an environment that I haven't lived in and all of my freedom is basically going to be taken away from me. How can I be my best self or how can I take care of my mental health? And for me, that was talking about what I was struggling with online Like I I couldn't go hang out with friends because I'm immunocompromised with my chronic illness and my friends were being a little reckless and like that was on them. But I did my best to connect with other people dealing with what I was dealing with. And then I also, um, I also was like, a little bit of a workaholic during the pandemic on top of school. So I got I don't want to call it laid off, but like Warner Bros was the internship I was working at at the time when the pandemic got called off, so they like paid us out and we're like you're done well, they basically probably, because yeah, they exactly. like they
0: don't know what the hell's happening, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: So then I also had a withstanding internship with Paramount lined up for summer but they were like we don't know what we're doing we don't know how it's definitely not going to be in person we don't know if it's going to be able to be virtual because a lot of you have proprietary materials that you're going to have to work with and like how are you going to do that remotely and is it trust like can we trust you like we Mm -hmm. can't send you a computer or like all those kinds of variables and then simultaneously when I was at Warner Bros I was working on a project that this agency was kind of being outsourced to do and I started attending their like live workshops like on LinkedIn and I guess like the CEO saw that I was in there and recognized my name maybe or saw I had mutual connections to the people I worked with at Warner Bros and he like hits me up. He's like, hi, like I saw you're in our workshop. Um, Do you have time for an interview? Are you looking for a job? And I was like, hell yeah, I'm looking for a job. So I basically get on a call with this guy, and he basically hires me on the spot. And he's like, we need you. Like, you're a Gen Z. Um, you know, you understand TikTok right now better than most people because nobody's been on TikTok. So I helped create a lot of really, like, those those OG kind of TikTok hashtag challenge uh, ads yeah. that, that were going on. Um, they still happen, obviously, but... I don't think they're nearly as successful as they used to be. And then I also was working with Paramount, but at night. So I was working Eastern time hours for the first job with the agency, full-time, 40 hours a week. Then I was working part-time with Paramount, like five to 10 hours a week at night, like from six to nine, which was three to six Pacific. Um, So I was, again, absolute maniac. Then the fall semester comes and... I was doing a medically reduced course load because I was dealing with some chronic health issues and like I was starting to figure out like how do I manage them? What doctors do I see? So I was really planning ahead because again, fall of 2020, like no vaccines existed. Like it was still kind of like mm-hmm. scary to, you know, go around and uh, get outside of your house if you were immunocompromised. So I did seek work again. And I started working for this startup called Likewise, which is an app that basically helps you choose and recommend podcasts, books, TV shows based on your interests. So kind of like when Netflix is like, this is what we think you would like, or like Spotify is like, here's this, like they kind of like curate it based on their algorithm. So I was creating organic ads. All of their best performing ads are from me and they paid me salary, not by the deliverable, which is like really shitty if you know anything about the content industry, you know to always ask for it by the deliverable month by month usage rights instead of on a salary basis because you will get ripped off. Learn from my (laughs) my experience. (laughs) I I know
0: I don't I didn't know that. So okay, good to know. I got you.
1: Yeah. Um so basically I was just in this position where I was like, you know, I think I just turned twenty two and I was working for this startup. I wasn't it was like kind of like a contractor role, so it wasn't necessarily set in stone. I wasn't really interested in becoming a full time social media manager. So I also applied to this grad school program at USC, which is a masters of science in integrated business design and technology, which is very, you know, future forward startup kind of accelerator style degree. And you had the flexibility to do it remote. So i said you know what i'm gonna apply i don't need the gre let me just jump on in so i submit my media kit that i actually use to pitch brands as a a portfolio item I submit my projects about my chronic illness and I submit my projects about my body image uh, work and confidence building. And, you know, I ended up getting in. So when I graduated on December 16th, 2020, my parents were like, okay, so like, when, when are you getting a job? I was like, oh, um, so I'm going to go to grad school and I'm also gonna start my own business. And they were like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Like, are you kidding? Like, we just like, spent all this money for you to go to undergrad and now you're telling us you're gonna just like not get a job and I was like no it's not that I'm not getting a job it's like I'm making my job up and they were like what and um so it was it was definitely a fun moment and I think there's obviously been peaks and valleys with this uh this life as an independent contractor as you know an LLC owner um And I started off as one person, and now I have nine people on my team, and it's just really epic to, like, see this growth. And all of 2021, I kind of focused on building out my podcast and my live show, which got picked up by Spotify Live, which has been, like, so surreal and a goal of mine for so long. And, uh, you know, so many other things that have led me to where I am today, to being the best speaker I can be, to being the best advocate I can be, to literally, like, killing it. And did it take time? Yes. Like, it literally took two years for me to get to where I am today. And even so, I, I want to outdo myself. Like, with every day that passes, I'm never content. Like, I think that's something I have to work on. But, yeah, that's another – that's a whole other conversation.
0: <laughs> but so no, that's a, it's a it's a great it's a great uh, mindset to have as an entrepreneur. But I want to I want to I, I don't want to go down that path yet. I still want to understand. Um, so as you grow out a full time business as content creator, right? People are starting this. It's like how do I make money? Um, okay, so if they've already subscribed to the idea of I'm going to create content nonstop, and I get that, and I go across all my different mediums, and I'm social, and I'm podcast, and I'm newsletter, and website, and whatnot. So. How did you monetize? How did you grow that?
1: Yeah, well, as I mentioned before, in undergrad, I was already making content for brands through campus yeah. ambassador programs. So I was working with TikTok, Abercrombie, Tinder, Smashbox, Timberland, Bior, Higher Education, like you name it. Huge companies. If it, yeah. if it was a if it was a college ambassador, college social media marketing, college you know rep program. I was there like I wanted to do it and I wanted to do it best so that when I graduated those companies would remember me and contract me for like more work so um, I did have the advantage of being in college and starting so if there are any young entrepreneurs that are still college age for sure look into these college level programs because they don't pay much but it's enough to build up that resume of brands you've worked with or portfolio that you can kind of go out and then say, oh, well, I've done work for TikTok, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) pay me more, like TikTok paid me. Um, So I think that's really important. And then second to that, I mean, there's all of these platforms out there, um, you know, Tribe, Popular, Pays, Koholi, For, I mean, they don't pay amazing, but in the beginning, you have to honestly do a little bit of work for free like you can have a killer brand and a killer audience engagement and if you have that most of the time they will be okay and behind you if you're sharing a product again something subtle that I would do the same way that I mentioned before is I would tell my audience something like hi everyone like if you you know listen to my podcast, by the way, this is the mic that I use for any inquiring minds about getting better audio quality on a Zoom call. Or maybe it's that you want to start a podcast, or maybe you're being asked to be a guest on your podcast, or maybe you just want better video audio quality, right? And giving those options uh, under the umbrella of like somebody's incentive to using a product is the best approach like I think of it kind of like as an umbrella like the product is an umbrella you're like the stick and you're like oh you could use it for this and that and that and that way it can appeal to many more people instead of zoning in so a lot of times people say niche down niche down no niche the fuck up until you can absolutely like do an ad in any category and still make it about your brand and still make it about your purpose, right? Like that's really what I do. So at this point, I mainly do tech, I do skincare and clothes. Like those are my three kind of buckets, but they all fall under or on top of the umbrella of me, which is chronic illness, lifestyle as a student and being a New Yorker. So, you know, there's a lot involved and how do you really get started? You have to put yourself out there. You can DM brands, like it's not rocket science, we can shoot our shot, we can be okay being left on red, like it's okay, don't take it so personally. Um, We can find these people on LinkedIn and message them and ask if there's any, you know, gifting opportunities uh, to get out and say, I would love to make a video for you. Um, Obviously, at a certain point, you have to ask to be paid, you can always lead with I would love to create some content. Is there a budget for, you know, micro-influencer partnerships or influencer partnerships? If they say no, be like, oh, I would love to get involved with your brand. Are there any gifting opportunities? Maybe post a story. Maybe post a casual, like, unboxing. You know, there's a lot of things that can be subtle that aren't an ad that can, in turn, lead to an ad. So, yeah.
0: I love that. That's smart. Very smart. And then I'm also curious, so you just shoot your shot, you DM people, you figure out how to create, you know, ads that actually resonate with your brand and you, and that's, and it's just testing. It's just testing and reaching out and testing and reaching out. And that's how you've built this, this monetization has allowed you to hire like nine, nine people at this point. Mm -hmm. And when you think about your content strategy, so you have all these different things that you love to speak on and you, and you speak about like chronic illness and you speak about, um, you speak about, I guess sometimes you speak of photography and your passions and you speak about like the things that are going on in your life. Um, what's the how do you decide the content mechanism? So like how what's your content workflow? If somebody's gonna start, do they do Instagram, do they do podcast, they do everything you you go everywhere. I go everywhere, but I know that you probably have a well thought out process so that you can actually keep this up.
1: you're thinking wrong. (laughs) I think you saw me like chuckle when you're like, what's your mechanism? I'm like, I am all over the place. Um, But I'm trying to build that out with my assistant. Like, I think it's been something where I'm like, I have to figure out a way to optimize my work so that I can like live a little that like, yes, like work imitates life for me as an influencer and content creator. So how can I, create content the morning where like i get an endoscopy which literally happened this morning like i literally was vlogging it and i was like this is gonna be cool my video editor can edit this and then i like picked up on it like one of these like trending audios that was going around it was like um it was like sorry not everyone can be a part of the bad bit genre um and it was like me in the hospital bed and like i think that's funny because i'm like This is something that like normally people are going to apply this to like confidence or like, you know, whatever, like being bougie. But it's like, no, like this is about my life living with a chronic illness and other people who like if you look at the comments, it's like all people with chronic illness that are like, oh, my God, wait, like, I love this. Like, this is so me. I feel seen like all these things. And I think it's moments you you did
0: something there. You did something. You're just you just you document your life. So you're laughing because like you 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 know you're laughing. Oh, I don't have like this like specific process. Like whatever, that's yeah. okay. But I mean, you still do it strategically and tactically. Like you're still documenting your life and the things yeah. that you're living every single day.
1: That that's true. Yeah, and I I guess in a lot of ways, like I do have, um, I don't want to say I premeditate ideas, but I do have like a running list of over two hundred ideas that I could just pick and choose from at any point if I want. Do I actually go into that list often? No. Should I? Yes. Um, I think there was like a couple videos going around now where it's like if the masters are saying post six times a day, post 12, right? Like do double of everything and always go like super extra. But then you run out into like burnout and fatigue. Like if you're just doing TikTok, I get it. If you're just doing YouTube, I get it. But in today's world, you cannot limit yourself to one platform. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you can't. Um, if you want to monetize, if you want to build a holistic brand, if you want to build a world around your brand and have your hands in all these different buckets and have opportunities everywhere, you need to be known and seen everywhere. Right? So I have a podcast. I go on podcasts. I've got you know my uh, my LinkedIn following. I've got my Instagram, my TikTok, my Twitter. Snapchat, Pinterest, Facebook. That's nine platforms that are just me. Then I also have a podcast Instagram, a podcast Facebook, and a LinkedIn business page. So that's like 12 different platforms for one person. So yeah, kind of crazy, But I think going in and doing something like recording a podcast, making it a video podcast, being able to distribute that on your personal Instagram and on your podcast Instagram and on the Facebooks and pinning everything after so that you have higher exposure, doing like an artsy mood board of a photo shoot that's coming up as a teaser. Like there's a lot of things that you can do and I'm still working on like how to really zone in on it um but i would just say i kind of take
0: all the you got to take everything in your head and like write it down so people can just like because it there's i know i know there's something there there's like some sort of like 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 there's some sort of reason to the madness or something like like just like a strategy there but i think that like probably documenting it would be good because people can learn from this something you're doing like repeatedly Uh, you do it because i can see when you look at the content you do it but you gotta like you
1: gotta yeah. I, I think I'm still figuring out what my method is because right now I'm just kind of like consciously like producing but I'm not yeah. always like like I do think things through like I have an ad coming up that's a pretty big ad and I'm already plotting like okay these are the three days that I'm going to be shooting over this is the kind of content I want to get um, this is the video person I'm using I have to sit down with my copy editor right not everyone has a copy editor. We all start out scripting our own videos. When you start mm-hmm. making content for brands, they ask for a script. Why? They want to make sure you're not going to say anything crazy, right? They want a shot-by-shot kind of uh, or frame-by-frame, frame, you know, uh What's it called? Like write out like a story, script- like a storyboard. Storyboard, almost. yes. I should know yeah. this. Like, why am I <laughs> being? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so like, they want that so that you can have less edits on all ends because honestly, that would suck if you script something out, you storyboard it, you shoot it, and then they're like, "Sorry, we don't like it." Like, you yeah. want to make sure that everything's always approved. And I think being hyper aware of one, how can I outdo my last? project with the brand or in general? Um, And two, how can I make it better than any project that I've had? Three, how can I have fun? And four, how does this represent me, my brand, and the people that I work with? So those are the things that I think about when I do my process, not only for ads, but with all videos. But the that doesn't always happen in that order it kind of sometimes just happens and then after i can analyze and be like okay Gigi, i see what you did there
0: do you think there's um obviously the 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 lesson is you should be everywhere but do you see some opportunity on some platforms more than others right now in like 2022
1: no absolutely i mean to state the obvious anything short form video um, I I think there was a report that came out the other day that said like Snapchat is growing faster than any of the other platforms right now. And I was like kind of bamboozled by that because I was like, I thought Snapchat was dead. Like that's what we used 10 years ago. Um, but obviously TikTok, YouTube shorts is blowing creators up. I mean, if you zone in and you post frequently I'm talking also like 6 to 10 videos a day, which is a massive amount of content. If you're posting that much, you will grow. Like, I started posting pretty consistently. I would say maybe like 2-ish videos a day. And I grew like 300 subscribers in a month, um, which is a lot for me considering I had like 100 subscribers at the beginning of the year and now I'm at 500. So like I'm closer to a 1,000 than I'd think. Um, but... It's about consistency. If I'm not producing content, then I'm not going to be growing. Um, TikTok, I think, has an enormous opportunity for you to blow up, but it's becoming harder and harder for individuals who have a viral moment to kind of have this false uh, narrative, almost kind of like a like quicksand effect where like they walk over it and they're like, oh, I could be a full time creator. I've created viral content. I've maybe made one successful ad and then they keep walking and they realize they're falling deeper and deeper because they're going under creator burnout because they think, oh, every single video is going to be like this. Like it's going to keep following when that's not the reality. The reality is that there's like a lot of burnout. There's a lot of nights where you're just like fatigued and you don't want to make a video. Um, Maybe you're not as passionate. Maybe your hands are in other buckets and you can't create content, right? So I just think, the creator industry is very very interesting but anything short form video is going off but I still love photography and I still stay true to my like my roots and I post on there because also my audience knows I do photography if I all of a sudden just like didn't post any photos on Instagram people would be like what happened to you and I would be like I don't know
0: how do you how do you how do you um how do you navigate creator burnout how do you make sure it doesn't happen to you
1: Yeah, creative burnout is like something I think a lot of people deal with, but I've been dealing with for years. Considering I'm an artist, and same way writers get writers' block, artists get artist block. And I think what you have to do is um, create within the parameters that you're given in any moment. So, again, today. I literally went in for an endoscopy this morning and I brought my phone with me like to the OR and I like took a picture with, I literally recorded a video that I don't remember asking my doctor to record with me where I was like, can we take a video? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm here with my doctor. Um, And it was just like a part of my like vlog and I made it about my journey and me. And obviously I'm not saying like, go into your doctor's office and start recording things with your doctor. Like, that is very specific to me. Find what's specific to you and see what you can make work. Like, for the rest of today, I have to write a paper. So maybe I'll do a time lapse of me cramming on a paper and be like, this is what it looks like to be a master's student in your, like, second to last semester. Like, on time lapse, you know? Like, Or sometimes I'll do content of me taking my medication. Sometimes it'll be of cleaning my room. And... Is that representative of like art- artistically, like who I am and conceptually, like what my work is about? Not always, but it does add in like a little bit more of that authenticity, that like non curated vibe of being like, this is real life. Here's what I've got going on. So if you show more of that, you will likely fall into less burnout. Um, and part of that is because, because I think you're naturally
0: you're wanting... doing it too. You're yeah. naturally doing it.
1: Yeah. And then something, another one of my friends said, which again, I'm working on cause you just asked me about structure and I was like, structure, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, he, his theory is that the more structure you have, the less burnout you'll have because it's like, you know, you're doing certain things a certain way. Um, and then the more, you know, the, the, the more burnout you have, like you're going to just also have less structure so anyway not my idea but it it makes no but it's
0: a good it's a smart idea and i think that i think that you actually touched on a a lot of different points that could be useful for creators i think that uh, the one thing that i really do love that a lot of people have trouble with like i guess there's like levels to how comfortable you are putting stuff out into the world like level one is just like talking about like what you're an expert in and then like Mm -hmm. level two is like forgetting not forgetting what you're an expert in like you put that out there but then you like show how you're not this, like, refined, perfect, polished person who only knows yeah. that one thing. And this, you're, like, so many other dimensions. And that's that's reality. That's And I think reality, like, in authenticity, it always wins. Like, yeah, it always absolutely. wins. Absolutely. And
1: even if it comes down to just something like posting, maybe, maybe like, I'm not saying this would be me, but, like, an example of uh, a really successful uh, business leader that I follow. His name's uh, Daniel G., And he posts, um, you know, a lot of, like, sales training and media um, kind of marketing strategies, blah, blah, blah. And, like, Twitter quotes and, like, really shareable content. But then he'll come on his stories and he'll either do, like, a video of him in the gym or, like, his morning coffee or going out for a run, like, being super sweaty, like, panting. And, like, that is how you know that that person is keyed into their audience. They love DG because he is into like helping them and in turn they love him regardless, you know? And that's, again, this like internet phenomenon of thinking that when you have an audience that like loves you, like you're being like let in on their secret community or like you're being let in on secrets of their life life. and like knowing things. Like for me, it's like, Going to Joe and the Juice, which is a really, like, bougie juice bar in New York, LA, and Miami. And I get, like, you know, I work with them, so I post about it all the time. And I love it. Like, it's genuinely one of my favorite spots to work remotely. It's just something I love. People would literally message me and be like, where's your Joe and the Juice of the day? Or, like, you're in the city let's see the Joe. And I'm like, that's hilarious. Because that's something that my audience now knows that they can expect from me. So anyway, more authenticity. Highly recommend. Um,
0: Going into being a full time content creator. uh, What was the biggest stress the time when shit hit the fan that Mm. you thought like, this is not the right thing for me? What was that? How'd you overcome it?
1: So I never have thought that it's not the right time for me or that I'm not worthy or capable or, you know, doing enough, when you hit a roadblock and you start having these negative thoughts when you're on this journey of entrepreneurship or being a full-time creator, it's really about refining that strategy and figuring out, okay, I tested something, it's no longer working, why? how can I change? How can I iterate? How can I move forward and create content that actually is going to reach those audiences that can convert to sales or convert to a higher engaged audience, right? So um, I think also like when you are an entrepreneur starting out, if you aren't like if you don't have like a seed round or, you know, angel investors or whatever you want to call it, a lot of money to throw around with it you're starting out as, you know, an undergrad graduate going into grad school, paying for grad school out of pocket. Um, I think money can be liquefied quite easily, especially (laughs) when deals come in. And when deals come in, a lot of the times you'll sign a contract, you'll do the deliverables, you'll post them, you'll submit the insights, you'll submit an invoice, and then Thirty to ninety days later, you'll get your money. So I think the biggest challenge is around this idea of getting paid and making sure that you can budget yourself because it's always changing. Like there's never like, okay, every month I'm getting a residual like five K in and like mm-hmm. that's just what I get to like use for my business and everything else is extra, right? It's like sometimes like, project based. Like, yeah, it's project based. There's a lot of like financial stress here and there because some months can be great some months you might not get any deals so it's definitely a bit of a challenge I think but I also like have been lucky and fortunate that I've been able to manage um you know over the past two years and I again like live at home and I think if you're young and you're starting out and you're able to live at home without like you know killing your parents (laughs) or like (laughs) losing your mind a little like I think um like go for that option if they let you and I like I've been very lucky and and grateful to be able to build everything from my bedroom here which is kind of crazy bedroom office studio
0: (laughs) alternatively if you are like working a job which is the reality for some people they can't just like live rent free like I think that maybe not jumping into it like full into it day one is also an option like doing the side hustle and then working after hours working weekend
1: I also think like Like, yes, but I think the downfall of that is that you might not take it seriously. So for me, it was about literally just like calling up my accountant and being like, hi, can you set this LLC up? And then I had taxes to pay. And then I had expenses to pay. I had to figure out how to pay them. If you have something else that's like a cushion that you can rely on, or maybe you do want that cushion, but you also want to start something else. It's like, okay, like I told one of my friends, start your fucking LLC, pay the bill for the LLC, right? Once you pay the bill for the LLC, you have to run money through it, right? If you don't want to dissolve it in a certain amount of months. So how are you going to do that? Okay. Cool, you've you've built the LLC. How about you finish your website? How about you get your media kit out there? How about you start a newsletter, right? Like there's so many different things that you can do, but I feel like you just have to, regardless of if you're doing it full-time, you have to find out what cadence works. And I think that that word is so important because some people want to go from zero to 100 real quick, but a lot of the times you have to say, Like, people are like, I just, I I don't know how to do it full time. I'm like, okay, well, you don't have to. If all you can do is post twice a week, post twice a week for a month on Instagram and maybe post one reel. So that's three posts a week on Instagram, two posts and um, a video, right? So that's three posts a week times four weeks. That should be 12 posts on Instagram. You can download that video and you can post that on TikTok, YouTube Shorts, Snapchat Spotlight that's four other outlets you can post it on you can also take the photo and make it slightly more about your career and post it on linkedin and facebook boom mm-hmm. like it's like an objection that people have in their head that oh i can't be good at this it's like literally cross-posting will take you 15 minutes total yeah. like a week so like my advice is honestly to get over yourself and start posting like you will never do it if you don't start <laughs>
0: What's what's some advice when people are, like, negotiating with um, some of these big brands? Are there any things that you have to watch out for that, that could have screwed you over when you first started?
1: Yeah. I mean, negotiation is always a little awkward, but I think if you handle it with this attitude of, like, hey, guys, I, I don't want to, you know, take up any of your time. Let's just cut to the chase. What's your budget? Yeah. Like, Obviously after you built a rapport with them and after you've gone through the deliverables, they want to work with you, like I think beating around the bush is the biggest detriment to creators because it teaches you that the brand has like the upper hand because they're paying you, but really you're the upper hand because you're the original content. They don't want to do a fully produced ad anymore. They want your original content. So a lot of the times they're willing to pay, you have to know what to ask. That's the biggest thing that people are speculating now is, okay, well, What's my rate? How, how should I know what to charge? Throw a number out there. When somebody agrees to it, upcharge. The next time they agree to that higher number, okay, up
0: you need indeed
1: charge right and as you grow the brands that you work with you're also going to grow your portfolio you're going to grow your business and I think they go hand in hand but making sure that you don't meet around the bush like if a brand is like this is an example that happened last week a brand came to me and was like oh you know they're a really big tech brand they're like we really want to work with you we think it's great you know it's probably going to be about 12 Instagram stories and two Instagram posts per month for five months and here's our budget and it was so low i mean less than a hundred dollars per item which is just Mm -hmm. out of control considering my rate is well over two thousand dollars per item and it's like a moment where i had to say i really would love to work with you and find a way to make this you know happen for both of us because the brand's incredible i'm a huge fan however that budget is not going to work and transparently, it would not be worth my time. And I really, again, appreciate it. Please let me know, you know, keep me posted. And that's a moment where like, you have to be willing to lose it all. I'm okay with it because I'm not okay with producing those deliverables. So knowing that, knowing um, also usage rights and uh, exclusivity, um, and exclusivity meaning if you're doing an ad with Starbucks, you probably can't do an ad with Pete's or Dunkin' Donuts or Tim Hortons, etc. And then usage rights, meaning you will post the content and the brand can use it in their own paid advertisements at their discretion. So they may pay you $5,000 but run $50,000 in ad spend behind it, right? Mm -hmm. So you deserve to be getting paid for that per month, like a residual, essentially. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, there's something called whitelisting which is where the influencer will post the content and then the brand will put also ad spend behind it and make it look like an organic post, but really it's a sponsored ad. You also deserve to be paid extra for that because... Your content's being shown to other people, kind of like in a new audience, and you deserve, again, to be compensated. So, knowing about those things, reading up on the industry, something I did when I was in my internship at Paramount was called Doing the Daily Trades. And essentially, what I did was I read three articles a day, kind of did a very high level, one sentence summary on what's going on in that industry, just so I could be in the know. Definitely doing that when starting out too, so that you can use that um, to leverage with brands, saying, "Oh, well, other creators in the industry are charging this," or you know, "Oh, I saw this ad by them. I want to emulate that," so on and so forth.
0: And 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 as you're growing your own personal brand, you're putting out content. The one thing that we didn't touch on, which I thought you've done exceptionally well, is is PR. Like you you yeah. have publications, uh, pe- like you, people have written incredible articles about you, and and I feel like even for me like i i know content but the prp is like a missing piece in the puzzle that i feel like content creators they've never had exposure to that world they have no idea where to even start yeah. with pr so where do people start with with pr to start yeah. getting some third part because that's really what validates right like you can put your own con- content out there you can work with big brands but when like a a forbes or a vogue or a, anything they they speak about you then you're like whoa okay so you know, this person's onto something, they're figuring something out, or they're they're creating something exceptional. So how do you how do you get
1: that? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think also my the biggest thing that I say to people around me um is why do you want PR? And what do you mm-hmm. think you're gonna get out of it, right? is it that you simply want more eyes on your content are you looking to generate sales are you looking to get like verified to be honest like what is your intention behind it and why do you think it's going to help you um and until you're clear on that you're not ready for pr like that's what you need to do first and foremost second of all once you start reading the trades about your industry. You're going to start to get real familiar with the journalists like reporting on it. So guess what? Mm -hmm. You can get active on Twitter. You can DM them. Hi, I'm a creator in this industry. I absolutely love your article on blah, blah, blah. Um, You know, let me know if you ever need a source in this industry like I do, blah, blah, blah. And that's Mm -hmm. how it relates, right? That's a very easy way to kind of get your foot in the door. Um, there's also things I know it was going viral on TikTok a while ago called out.com, which is where you can basically, there's like open calls for, uh, uh, like sources needed kind of situation. And, uh, a lot of the times you can submit them and like they won't come through. Sometimes you'll submit them and it'll be like a cool article. Like you really never know what can come out of it. So if you have free time to kind of waste (laughs) and like submit yourself for, like you can definitely do that as well. Um, and last but not least is, um, going and, and paying for it. And like, you absolutely can pay for PR. And once you get to a certain level, you'll get a certain amount. Like I started paying for PR because I was having too many inbound requests coming at me and I couldn't manage it. So I needed somebody to help me kind of weed through what was like good, what was Mm -hmm. bad. Also like even like as an influencer specifically attending these events that are put on by brands or movie premieres getting out there is really important and a lot of the times you you can also naturally get invited to those i just don't even have like the capacity to like uh what's the word like manage those those inbounds so i have There's a team time yeah you have to like filter
0: through those. them and see what's good and, and what's bad yeah
1: exactly and like that's a cool level to be at. And I think that that's the point where like, you're literally paying somebody to do a job for you. So that's, um, that's, again, kind of like my journey with PR. And I think it's been extremely beneficial for me, because not only does it validate, like, where I'm at in my career, but it, it validates me as like an industry leader and professional and like disruptor in the industry. And um, I think it's it's just really cool, but it's it doesn't mean that I'm successful, right? Like just because somebody has PR doesn't mean that that's their end-all be-all that they're successful mm-hmm. It's like the work that they're actually doing that measures up to it is the success Um, that's that's what it's really about and it's about like how happy it makes me like mm-hmm. Just because I have like a cool feature like doesn't mean that I Am like this like on this other It's not level, like it's not or... like
0: another another point of happiness <laughs> right it's just, or like it's just, just, just because n- i'm yeah.
1: verified doesn't mean that it's a new point of like a, a new benchmark right like i guess in some ways it's like yes like you can be trustworthy but there's a bunch of trustworthy like people out there that aren't verified like mm-hmm. you, you there's no secret club it's not like soho house like we don't need to gatekeep here um so i think that yeah that's just some things to to think about
0: um i and and i guess you know i want to i want to I guess we've gone through a ton of stuff with content creation. Um, I guess any advice for, you know, we've gone through a lot of advice too, but like like the most important advice in your mind for somebody who's just starting out into creating content, trying to build their own personal brand, what, what advice would you, you teach over to them?
1: Yeah, I would go back to what I mentioned before of finding your, your your why and asking yourself why you do what you do or why you, if you have an idea, writing that down and really digging deep and saying, why is this important to me? Maybe the answer is because you want to make your mom and dad proud. Why do you want to make your mom and dad proud? Okay, because, you know, they you want to have a better life for your future family. Okay, why is future family important to you? Because you care about you know family and building relationships and you want to be available to your kids maybe in a way that your parents weren't okay why is being available important to you so on and so forth like and you can do that i know that was like a more family focused example but mm-hmm. that's like how you kind of can go down that rabbit hole and um just not giving up on yourself and knowing that it takes a process as i mentioned I came home in 2020 as a very different person than the person that's sitting on this call with you right now and I'm extremely proud of that growth and knowing that if you make it through like a month or a year like even even in January like I was really like I was like getting like doubts like in January I was like What is going on? Like, am I doing this right? My health started acting up. Like, I started getting really, like, the New York City winter blues kind of vibe. Like, I was not doing well. So I started a breathwork uh, challenge with my breathwork teacher. So that was something that I focused on for my health, for my mind, my body. Um, and then I started looking and like reading a lot more motivational things around money. So like a lot of self-improvement in your moments of doubt. And then I just kind of was like putting it out there. I was like, there's no reason why I don't deserve to be paid for the work that I do because it's really fucking amazing. And that's when like out of the blue, the last week of January, I like entered what me and my breath teacher call like the vortex. Um... Which is just, like, this kind of, like, portal. Like, it's an energy portal. It's a state of, like, being. And you're just... I know this sounds kind of witchy and crazy, but just go with me. It, like, (laughs) literally, it's, like, the last week of January opens, like, I get this article up in Forbes. I was like, I think I had another article come out that I I was interviewed for Fox for a second time. Um, Then I like submitted my Sports Illustrated video. I got that news. I landed three brand deals that were like pretty big. I got invited to New York Fashion Week. I then got COVID, which was definitely a sidebar, but that's fine. Um, It was not not bad at all. And then I go to Miami. I land, like, Sports Illustrated officially. Then I, like, land another brand deal. Then, like, I come home and I'm going to all these events. And then my health stuff starts up again, which was, like, super Mm -hmm. shitty. But whatever. And then just, like, things keep coming. And – I think it's really about rewiring yourself and you can't really work on your business until you're okay in your mind. Um, my, my hierarchy is always like health um, and mindset and then um, business or health, mindset, school, business, personal life and relationships, and then like self-care. So I need to like mm-hmm. put self care higher up. I probably need to also like get um you know once school's done I'll I'll just bump business up. But yeah, just having a hierarchy and figuring out what works for you. And until you figure that out, you're gonna be a little bit lost. So yeah, a lot of self reflection essentially.
0: A lot of sp- no, it's very smart. What what impact do you want to have um with the work that you do, the content you put out, the community that you build?
1: that is so great that you asked that because i literally wrote this down last night so i'm just gonna it was not planned that
0: was like if anyone was not i didn't know you wrote that down (laughs) last night ask everyone this
1: no i i i love that but um kind of like i think as i evolve i really want to be this thought leader that people can look to to see some of themselves in when it comes to Mm -hmm. patient advocacy and confidence building because a lot of times Or I guess up until recently, talking about chronic illness and mental health has been something that's been looked down upon or not even talked about in general. But the reality is about 75% of people in the United States live with a chronic illness. And that is a lot. Um, And as a result, I think by having these conversations – we build this extremely strong community and together we're the ones that can disrupt the industry, Um, whether that's modeling, whether that's workplace, future of work, whether that is, you know, the creator economy, patient advocacy, like therapy, like there's so many different possibilities that could come out of this. And I just really want to help be that, that thought leader and that kind of self-starter that helps kick off and ignite the spark in other people so we can do it all together um and get paid to do it too
0: i love it um okay i want to do a couple rapid fire but most important rapid fire is there no most I have to I ask I have to ask first where do people go to find you where are all the socials the website all that
1: amazing so you can google my name Gigi Robinson my website will come up as well as a bunch of other things uh, my website is just ggrobinson.com and you can find me on all socials at it's Gigi Robinson so that's like the at sign the word it's and then my name
0: perfect I actually like that better than the or yeah. official i like yeah. it's i like that yeah. that's good that's new okay. i've never i've never seen that the, before the
1: only downfall is if people are like oh what's your instagram i'm like it's Gigi robinson and then they oh. type in gg robinson and they're like i don't see you and i'm like you have to put the word it's before anyhow <laughs> very small detail
0: um okay a couple rapid fire uh you had a great career as a content creator um you built a big brand for yourself what's keeping you up at night now
1: uh-huh Oh, my chronic pain.
0: <laughs> so fair, 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 fair answer. Fair answer.
1: <laughs> Sorry, that took a downfall real quick.
0: Um, do you have do you have life or business things that are keeping you up? Psycho like things that are top of mind. Uh,
1: I think sometimes I have too many ideas. Like I don't want to say I'm in a state of mania, but like I'm always thinking about what kind of content that I want to produce.
0: Yeah. OK. Yeah. No, that's good. And how do you solve for that what's like your strategy to like still stay on track with what you're doing while you have all these ideas?
1: Um uh, I don't know if I have an answer to this. I I write them down um on my list and I it talk about have it to with my like team. A, yeah. I have my team hold me accountable.
0: That's a good answer. That's a yes. very good answer. Yes. Which is like it's very very useful. It's good advice. Um The biggest challenge that you've overcome in your personal life, what was it? How would you overcome it? What did you learn from it?
1: Probably work-life balance or work-school balance, life-school balance, whatever kind of combination of all of that. And also dealing with my chronic illness in relation to Mm -hmm. running a business and dealing with also being an influencer and like the stigmas around that and what other people my age are doing and how they don't always realize – how tough of a, a job this really is to not only be a creator and like the front facing face of this, but to also be like a leader. Like, I have a team that I manage, and a lot of people don't see that because they're all remote and they're not in New York City. So, yeah, definitely, um, honestly, managing a team and it's just been so transformational and exciting to be able to get like my whole team's like women and we just collectively like vibe and it's a great environment and everyone just gets it done. So Mm -hmm. yeah, just, just dealing with all of that and managing my health is probably the most challenging thing. And regardless of what the condition is, like, I know other people deal with this.
0: If you had to pick one person, obviously there's been many, but if you pick one person who's had a major impact on your life, who was it and what did they teach you?
1: Yeah, um, I would say Mel Robbins. I think she's just an incredible, like, keynote speaker, um, you know, podcast host. She's really blunt to the point, and I just admire her so much, and anytime I'm having, like, a intrusive thought or a block, I do her technique of, like, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, like, how am I feeling Mm -hmm. now like you know can I do this what is the problem that's causing me this irrational fear and then something else that I do I don't know if I learned it from her or if it's kind of inspired after that method but it's like how is something going to affect me in six minutes six days six weeks six months six years from now and depending on that answer I can kind of gauge my response to any problem um, that comes up and turn it into kind of like a roadmap of how to get towards the goal. Uh
0: if you had to pick one book or podcast, something that's in uh, influenced you, impacted you, um something that somebody should go check out, what would that be?
1: Yeah, I love the book The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And I, I have dropped some F-bombs in this, but I think it's really important to like selfishly Be so invested in what you're doing and certain with uncertainty, especially as an entrepreneur, that you cannot afford to care about what somebody else is thinking and like let your mindset be weak in times where you need to be like super strong and build your business. So yeah, that book taught me a lot about that.
0: If you could tell your 20, well, you're so young. Okay, well, if you could tell your younger self (laughs) one thing, what would it be?
1: Um, probably, like, I know this is going to be cheesy, but, like, the name of my podcast is Everything You Need Is Within, um, and I, I truly think that a lot of times, like, we, like, put a lot of our, we project a lot of our fears into, um, our friends, our relationships, sometimes even our work environments, and I think if we just, like, kind of pause and look within and, like, enjoy the moment, where we're at instead of thinking about what we're going to do in the future and like why we're having the fear a lot of times we're having fear because we're scared of something that hasn't even happened yet so i think instead of living in that moment or fear based on past experience and we live in the moment and we just enjoy it and like smile more and be present um as challenging as that can be uh that that's that's what we should do
0: and then last question what does success mean to you
1: Ah, I love this question. I think you know success is really the the byproduct of success is the byproduct of what makes you happy, and I think that if you are able to be happy, you can be successful in any part of your life. Um, again, for me today, it was a success that I woke up and I got out of bed. Like, that doesn't happen a lot of times for me, unfortunately. Um, And I think success is just this thing that we use to, like, label an achievement or an accolade, but it's not about that. It's about, like, how these things make us feel. Um, And, you know, a lot of the time that is significance, and we kind of need that significance to – reassure ourselves that we're doing okay especially as an entrepreneur especially when everything is so uncertain like we need to know things are okay and sometimes people become super like egotistical and significance driven so like definitely be humble when you're reflecting back on your success
0: indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed.